Welcome back into another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. And Scott, we waited 65 games, add in four, five, five months, but it's finally playoff time. And it's the, the most exciting time of the basketball season for, for most basketball fans. How are you feeling about the playoffs finally being here? I'm excited. Look, for a long time, we didn't think this day would come. And we're here. The bubble has gone about as well as anyone could have ever expected to this point. Hopefully that continues. But yeah, playoffs are back. This is the best time of the year. For sure. And, and one of the first matchups that we knew before any of the other ones just so happens to be the, the Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the, the Raptors with the second seed for the second consecutive year. The Nets, the seventh seed, I do believe, uh, I guess they were they were sixth last year. So seventh this year um surprised a lot of people uh, i think for a while uh you and i both thought that the raptors were destined to play the orlando magic in the first round yep uh but the nets have surprised some people what was your first reaction when you realized that it was going to be nets raptors instead of magic raptors shocked because i remember i can't remember what game it was but it, it was like game five i want to say for the magic and i remember checking the odds on basketball reference and the magic had like a 66 percent chance of finishing with the seventh seed or something like that and they lost a couple games they should have, and that's why we're here right now. Um, it, it's really hard to know what to make of this Nets team because the Raptors had a lot of success against them in the regular season. They were 3-1. and one. The one game they did lose against them was the back end, actually that last game of that franchise best winning streak. But this Nets team, I mean, you wrote about it, this Nets team is not the one they faced during the regular season. And they even faced like a pretty depleted Nets team already. Um, they didn't play Kyrie Irving once this season. Obviously, Kevin Durant hasn't played this season. But now they're down Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler. Um, I, I think that's everyone, right? So this is this Nets team is, is not like the one they faced. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you kind of talk about the Nets team and, and who they have. Obviously, you wrote the preview for this series, which is on NBA.com right now. Uh, so I guess you're kind of like our Raptors Nets expert, and uh, <laughs> you, you know you, you look at you look at these teams and, and the Raptors. Um, obviously, once they kind of clinched the second seed, they didn't really have much to play for. So we've seen the Stanley Johnson game, we've seen the Matt Thomas game, the Chris Boucher game. But early on in Orlando, we saw them get big wins over the Lakers, over the Heat, to kind of see what a playoff game would look like for the Raptors. Um, and the Nets, like we kind of talked about, they surprised a lot of teams. They had a, a, one of the biggest upsets, according to the odds, um, in mm -hmm. NBA history with that win over uh, the Bucks. And a lot of these guys who we didn't know much about have been stepping up. Obviously, it starts with Karis LeVert and Joe Harris, um, but they're the Chris Chiozas of the world and Justin Anderson getting big dunks and things of that nature. Um, and in the preview, you kind of talked about it with these guys. Do they have enough firepower to make things difficult for the Raptors? And, and what does that even look like? What does difficult for the Raptors look like for the Nets team like this? Look, the reality is this Nets team, the way it's constructed, should not be able to give the Raptors any real trouble. I don't think so. Because we are talking about the Raptors as a potential title contender this season. They should not be struggling to beat this Nets team. And look, this Nets team, like they play hard. Karis LeVette's super talented. He's, he's young. He's still trying to prove himself in the league. He's been fantastic in the bubble, averaging 22.6 points um, and 6.2 assists to lead the way for the Nets. You have Joe Harris, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and he's going to be a, a free agent this summer, so he has a ton to prove. Jared Allen, he's been one of the rising centers in the league the last couple seasons, and you know he's, it seemed like he was going to lose his starting job to DeAndre Jordan after they fired Kenny Atkinson. He's obviously starting now because DeAndre Jordan is not in Orlando, 
but he has a ton to prove as well. So this, I, I think that's just the thing that this team doesn't have enough talent to really push the Raptors. Um, they shouldn't, but it's still not going to be one of those series that I think the Raptors can kind of just show up, go through the motions and expect to sweep them. Like they're going to have to play hard. I think the Nets could push them a couple times, keep it close going to the fourth quarter in a couple games and things like that. Um, because this Nets team has actually been very good offensively in the bubble. I think then the ninth in offensive rating right now, which again is, is a total shock given the personnel they have. Um, a big problem for them has been defense. It's been that problem all season long. And I think if you look at the Raptors, that's one of my biggest questions for them going into the playoffs. You know, we know they're incredible defensively, but can they score well enough against the best teams in the league, particularly in the half court to really push for a title again this season? Um, and I think, you know, a first round matchup against a, a Nets team that isn't great defensively, maybe that's the opportunity that the Raptors need to kind of keep it, get their offense um, moving and rolling heading into the next round when they could play, uh, play against the Boston Celtics team that we know is, is incredible defensively. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We kind of talk about the who's who of the Brooklyn Nets roster. And, and I, I wrote something about that as well on NBA.com just because there was so much roster turnover. I think it was seven players didn't make it down. They had to have seven replacement players. So that's kind of something that kind of ties into the identity of that team. In addition to the coach, Jock Vaughn is mm-hmm. going to be uh, auditioning. I know they've said that they're going to have a coaching search once the season ends for them, but he's going to be one of the coaches among the people considered um and these are a bunch of guys who are playing for nba contracts these are guys who kind of have a summer league type audition in the nba playoffs um you know they're, they're going to want training camp invites next season or, or to stay with the nets organization guys who have been lifted from two-way contracts to to full-time contracts or substitution contracts so i, I definitely do think this is going to be a scrappy team who can get hot as we've seen um, and, and they have some talent up top, which, which again, you kind of talked about in your preview, um, some of the guys uh, who to keep an eye on. And I think that's the perfect segue for me to say, NBA.com is your destination for all things NBA playoffs throughout the NBA finals. So keep it locked in with us on NBA.com. Raptors, Nets stuff, all the other series. We know seven of eight matchups. We're waiting to see who the Lakers are going to play at the time of recording. We might know by, by the end of the weekend. Um, but NBA.com got you covered with all of that. And back to what I was saying, Scott. Um, so you, you kind of have some guys who you have your eyes on, on this series. You want to get into that a little bit? Who, who are the players you, you're watching in, in the first round? Yeah, I'll start with the, the Nets first. Um, I think this could be a big series for Joe Harris for several reasons, actually. One, he's one of their best players right now. Um, he's also one of the best shooters in the league, and he's going to be at the top of um, Toronto's scattering report because if the Nets are going to have any chance to kind of push this Raptors team, it's going to be him and Karis LeVert leading the way. So there's that. Two, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. Um, you know, there's not a ton of money going to be going around. Um, we don't know how the coronavirus pandemic and, and you know, the, the season being suspended is going to impact the salary cap moving forward. But Joe Harris is one of the best free agents available. He's an incredible shooter. A guy who can spot up, he can run off of screens, he can do handoffs, he's improved as a driver. There are a lot of teams in the league that will want a player like him. Um, Which brings me to my third point, is that one of those teams could be the Raptors. Um, Obviously, it depends entirely on what happens with Fred Van Bleet. If he does leave to a team like the Detroit Pistons or the New York Knicks, who are going to have a ton of money to spend this offseason and might be able to offer a, a big enough contract to Van Vliet that the Raptors aren't able to match, 
then someone like Joe Harris would make a really smart replacement for him, assuming that the Raptors could afford him. Because while he's not the defender or passer that Fred VanVleet is, again, he's a knockdown shooter, one of the best in the league. And if you can put that kind of weapon next to Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, um, I, I think that makes a ton of sense for them. So Joe Harris is definitely one guy I'm going to be having a close eye on in this series. Yeah, you mentioned it right there. Um, Joe Harris has, has been a guy, again, impending free agent guy who won the three-point contest uh, last year at the All-Star Weekend. Definitely one of the best pure shooters in the NBA, and, and you kind of talked about it as well. Uh, again, separate article, why Raptors fans should keep an eye on him and, and what potentially he could be um, with respect to Fred VanVleet, which is the perfect segue for me to say, I'm um, keeping an eye on, on one of the Raptors guys I'm keeping an eye on is, is Fred VanVleet. Um, he had great numbers against the Nets this year, uh, played in three of the four games, averaged 26.7 points per game, shot 51.7% from the field, 48.1% from three, took nine threes per game in those games, and also dished out six assists. I think Kyle Lowry was uh, hurt in one of those games, so Fred VanVleet kind of stepped up. He's been playing really well uh, in the bubble so far, um, had a career high uh, against the Heat, which is, is, a, is a very great defensive team. So now uh, a team like, uh, Brooklyn, who doesn't necessarily have the strongest point guard rotation. Um, I think Lowry and Van Vliet will have an opportunity to get in rhythm um, and, and have a, a big opportunity to do things offensively because, you know, one thing we've talked about with the Raptors, and you kind of mentioned it already with your concern with what they bring to the table, is what are they going to do offensively? You talk about the playoffs and scheming and game playing to shut certain people down, shut the number one option down, finding the backup option. What are the Raptors going to do in those moments and those circumstances? We saw Fred VanVleet get hot and what that did for the team last year at the end of the of the postseason, the conference finals and the finals. Um, can he sustain that throughout, you know, three to four rounds? Because I think that'll be a huge key to them defending their, their championship. I agree with you. But um, I, I do think, look, this isn't a series that the Raptors necessarily need Pascal Siakam to, to be hands down the best player on the floor um, and all that. But I do think this is going to be an important series for him because, look, this is the first time that he's been the number one option, um, the, the guy that every other team is going to be keying on. And he hasn't been great in the bubble so far. So I think this is a good opportunity against the Nets team that doesn't have a ton of talent, kind of like their offense, for him to get going. Especially because Torian Prince was actually one of the guys who defended Pascal Siakam the most this season, according to NBA.com stats only three players matched up with him for more minutes during the regular season. Um, and Torian Prince actually did pretty well by the numbers. That The matchup data is far from perfect, but it, it does point to him being able to, to frustrate Siakam a little bit. So I think this is going to be a big series for him because, like you're saying, the offensive issues. It'd be great if Fred VanVleet can go off for 25 points a game and things like that. But I do think that best bet of consistently being able to generate scoring in the half court is Siakam because he is the their best, they're their purest score. He's a guy who can post up, he can run a pick and roll, he can be used as a screener and pick and roll. And they're going to really need him to be a, a huge presence um, in their half-court offense throughout the playoffs to have an extended run. And again, the Nets aren't one of those teams that you'd think he needs to average 25, 30 points per game. But this is going to be the first series for him where he is a number one option and it could potentially set the tone for the rest of the playoffs for him. Yeah, Pascal Siakam, uh, first time these two teams met this past year, first of four meetings, had 30 points uh, and an eight-point win over Brooklyn. Uh, I think 25 the, the of which big, came in the first half, by the way. The, there you go, 25 of yeah. which came in the first half. He must have written a preview for this series or something. <laughs> um, one, one thing I, I will say, talk about scores um, and, and the Nets' important score 
Karis LeVert ha- has been a guy who uh, has shown to be a 50-point scorer, scored 51 uh, career high beginning of March. But before that, his career high was set uh, for a little bit, lasted for like three weeks against the Raptors. It was a loss, a uh, one-point loss, but he had 37 points um, against the Raptors. And uh, that is the last time that the Raptors have allowed an opponent to score 30 points in the game. So oh, Car- wow. Karis LeVert is the last guy to squat. Really? Think, uh, per Elias Sports Bureau, the Raptors have gone, I think, 18 or 19 straight games without allowing a 30-point score, and the last one was Karis LeVert. So I definitely definitely have an eye on, on Karis LeVert, and um, this is going to be an interesting time for him because obviously next year, this is, this is very much a, a foundational, transitional year for the Nets. Um, we know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be the guys next year. Um, but it's not bad if you have a third option in Karis LeVert who can go and get 50 points in the game. So him having an opportunity this postseason to be the guy because if things go as planned for this Nets franchise, he won't ever be the guy in a playoff series, at least for the next three years. Um, to see what that looks like and, and know that like next year this is a team with title aspirations, they can get a, a lot done and, and learn a lot this year because I think they'll have an opportunity to – evaluate what they want to keep and who they want to build upon. You know, you have, you know, again, Jared Allen's a young center. Uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan's not getting any younger. I know he's kind of on the same timeline with, with Durant and Irving as far as contracts go. But when you look at uh, Lavert really being that third option with KD and Kyrie, I think what he does this postseason will be really huge for his development moving forward uh, as a young star in the league. So I think uh, I'll have an eye on him and what, what that means for the Nets as well. I agree with you. And, um, it wasn't just that game that he played really well against the Raptors this season, by the way. I can't remember his exact numbers, but that that one game that the Nets beat the Raptors, I want to say he had like 20 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Like he he had another huge game. Um, and according to NBA.com stats, again, Terrence Davis and Fred Van Vliet were the ones who matched up with him the most on the Raptors. And he had success against both of them. Um, I don't know if I if I really believe that Karis Lever can continue lighting like Fred VanVleet up, who's been one of the best you know guard defenders in the league this season. Um, but you know it, it is worth noting that like he's had success against the Raptors this season. Um, so you know even though they have a bunch of guys they can throw at him in Terrence Davis and Fred VanVleet, as well as Kyle Lowry, maybe even Siakam, OG Ananobi, and even Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Um, he, he's gonna he's gonna give them a lot. It's gonna he's gonna be a handful to to slow down in the series because he's their best best shot creator. So you know he's gonna he's everything's gonna run through him. Yeah, for sure. That'll be that'll be interesting. You mentioned Rondé. It'll be interesting to see him go against his former team that he played uh, last year. So here we are. the The Raptors. You look at it. The Raptors have won 18 of their last 20 games with Brooklyn. So they they've been pretty dominant over the Nets uh, from the past five years. Um, we talked about what it's going to take for the Nets to make things interesting and what that might look like. How do you see this series unfolding? What, what's your prediction for the series? Um, I, I think the Raptors in five. I, I, I was tempted to, to call it a sweep, but I, I could see one game when Karis LeVert goes off. Joe Harris gets hot from three. Um, the bubble is weird. You know, like the Raptors could go up 3-0, take their foot off the gas, Nets steal one. So, so I, I think Raptors in five uh, it seems like a safe bet for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm right with you on that, um, especially with what we saw, the, the most recent report coming out that games are going to be played every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that just makes a little bit of room for a team to kind of slip up a little bit and, and maybe have their eyes set on the next round. Um, I, I don't think that the, the Brooklyn 
crowd would have made much of a difference had they been had had, had there been uh, traveling in this series. But I do think you know the firepower that they have and the scrappiness and the guys playing for contracts and playing for the future as well. Um, that's going to affect Brooklyn positively, and they'll be able to pull out a win. It could be a fun series too, a lot more fun than uh, Colin and I talked about. Raptors Magic um, after that one game. Neither of us were very excited about seeing potentially four to seven games of the Magic in the playoffs for the Raptors. So um, this is definitely a better outcome, entertainment-wise at least. Yeah, for sure. And especially considering we saw Raptors Magic last year. This is the first time we've seen the Nets and the Raptors in the playoffs, I believe, since 2015 or 14 when uh, Paul Pierce. Since Masai Jiri's great great proclamation. You guys can look that one up. We 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 won't rehash that for you. But everything Raptors Nets and for the rest of the playoff series, all throughout the playoff series to the to the NBA Finals on NBA.com. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from on the Raptors Pod Table podcast. We will catch you next time.